0: I told them in the back room that this was going to be a short lesson. I'm not sure they believe me. I'm not sure I believe me, <clears throat> but we'll see. It's good to see everyone out. Those that stayed uh, for the day, uh, that's good to see you. I'm sure you've uh, we've had a good day, good food, uh, hopefully some good lessons. And hopefully you uh, come away this morning and hopefully this evening uplifted and encouraged in following Christ. I feel sad for some people who do not want to know Jesus because Jesus is someone that is very important or will be especially important in every one of our lives someday. But the Bible tells us that we're going to stand before Him and answer for our lives and that's going to happen. And sometimes people want to believe that and sometimes they don't. But the Bible teaches us that we can trust in Him and the beautiful thing about God is that He does not force any of us to accept Him, to believe Him, or to even recognize him as God. He's given us that choice. And so tonight I want or this afternoon, I want to answer the question of, who is Jesus Christ? Because I think that that's an important question. I think all of us from time to time want to know something about someone. Maybe you've gotten a new doctor, you want to know about the doctor. Or a new insurance agent, you want to know about that. Or you're going to buy a car and you want to talk, about, talk to a salesman. Or someone wants to be introduced into your life, and you want to know about them. What do you do? How do you find out? How do you find out if the doctor's good? Well, usually you ask a friend. You ask them if they know who this doctor is and have they uh, ever gone, or do they know someone that's gone. And so you talk to friends to find out about what kind of insurance agent you should go to. And you ask them questions about that individual to try to find out information about them. And so in this lesson this afternoon, I want to ask those kind of questions. But I want to ask that question of those that actually knew Jesus. And we can go to the Bible to find out the answer to the questions that we're going to ask. Because I think the way if we interview His friends... His friends would tell us who they thought he was. And then I see or I realize that there's a competent authority that's out there that's going to tell us who Jesus is. And then we can ask the man himself who he was, or who he is. So let's start off by asking his friends and his family. We'll start off with Martha. She was a sister to Mary and to Lazarus. Jesus was in their home quite often, so I'm sure that He was quite familiar with them. It was on one occasion when Lazarus had died that Jesus went to the scene and was there, and the Bible tells us that He wept. So Jesus was very close to Lazarus and to Martha and to Mary. But who does Mary say that He is? On the occasion when Lazarus had died and Jesus had delayed in getting there, this is what she said in John chapter eleven and verse twenty-seven. She saith unto him, "Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world." Now Jesus didn't ask, you know, "Who do you think I am?" or "Let me tell you who I am, and then you make sure you tell everyone else that this is what I'm telling you." She had observed his life. She had seen how he lived. Saw what he taught. And obviously seen the miracles. And so she recognized Him as the Son of God. And not only the Son of God, but the Christ. And that's very important because the Christ means she recognized Him as the Messiah, the Savior. We could ask another friend, which was Peter. You might remember, we've been studying uh, the apostles on Sunday evening. Peter's one of those individuals that we studied. And it was Peter that Jesus called as he's walking along the seashore. He said, come follow Me. Peter followed Him. He left everything and went. We know that Peter was in his inner circle. He was a member of that close-knit group. That inner circle. But as it was read for us in Matthew chapter 16, and verse 16, when Jesus asked the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It was Peter that gave the answer when he said that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not only did he recognize Him as the Messiah, but he recognized Him as the Son of the living God. In 2 Peter 1, verses 16-17, and For we have not followed cunning device fables. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there was such a voice to Him from the ex- from the excellent, excellent glory that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why did Peter recognize Jesus and know that He was the Son of God, that He was the Messiah? Because of the things that he saw, the things that he seen that Jesus did, He recognized him for who he was. John, another example, a friend of Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what he says about Jesus that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So he recognizes the fact that Jesus has been around forever, as long as God's been around, Jesus has been around. That He was there in the beginning when the world was created. He was the Word, and the Word was God. We know that that Word dwelt among us, among men. In John chapter one, verse fourteen, it says, "And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and He beheld His glory." the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is what he says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life, Which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. You know, when you think about the apostles, one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure most of us already realize, is that most of the apostles died martyrs. All but one. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and then he was finally released. But he's the only one that died a natural death that we know. All the rest were killed. And I find it amazing that if Jesus was not who he claimed to be, that they would actually die for someone who was a phony. That they would die for someone that was fake. Someone that was just made up. But that's what happened. They died. John tells us in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you might have life through His name. As I mentioned in Bible class this morning, there's really only a few days of the life of Jesus that are recorded in the book of John. Less than 30 that are recorded of what He did. But it was enough to convince many people that He was the Son of God. That he was who he claimed to be. Because they seen the miracles, they seen what he did, and that was something that was different. We can look at Thomas, another disciple of Jesus, who was a doubter. And that's what most of us remember him for. But in John chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He's seen Jesus, he's seen that he had risen from the dead. And so he makes that statement because he realizes that Jesus really is the Son of God. <clears throat> but is it enough just to say, yeah, we believe and this is who He was? That's in our opinion. But I think actions sometimes even speak louder than our words. Because we realize that some of the family members of Jesus did not believe who He was. In fact, in John chapter 7, and verse 5, it says, for neither did his brethren believe in him, but in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse seven, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Galatians chapter one and verse nineteen, but other of the apostles saw and none save James, the Lord's brother. If Jesus was a fake, if Jesus was a phony, if Jesus was not who he claimed to be, then why was someone that doubted him to begin with? All of a sudden, change and start to be a follower of Jesus. James chapter 1 and verse 1, it says James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes that were scattered abroad, greetings. Jude and verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that were sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So all of these individuals make the statement that they believe that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Savior of the world. And those that even doubted, we can see where they changed their attitude toward Jesus and became a follower of Jesus after His death. His mother, obviously we see that she was in the upper room As it tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, "...these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren." Jesus told the apostles to go to Jerusalem and tarry, and the Holy Spirit would come and it would descend upon them. That's why they were there in that room, and Mary was there with them on that occasion. She didn't receive a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit, but the apostles did. But why was she there? Because she believed what Jesus had said. Someone you might consider an enemy of Jesus. In Mark the 15th chapter, verse 39, the centurion who stood by and watched Jesus as he was crucified on the cross. And he makes this statement after Jesus has died. He says, truly, this man was the Son of God. Now, why did he make that statement? Why would he say that if he did not believe Jesus was who He was, why did he make that statement? Because he witnessed the crucifixion. And he witnessed something different. I'm about to imagine that that centurion had witnessed multiple crucifixions. But he knew that there was something different about Jesus. Because when he cried out or gave up the ghost, when he cried, it is finished. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. There was something different. And the centurion made that statement. And so we can look at his friends and we can look at his family and they acknowledge the fact that he is the Son of God. We can look at some that would not even be considered friends or family, but maybe even enemies like the centurion who even acknowledge that truly this man is the Son of God. But then we can look at some competent authorities who's going to answer the question for us also. We're going to look at the angels. And what did the angels say? In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, "...there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So, the angels, one angel in particular, acknowledges that there's a Savior which was born, which is Christ the Lord. So Jesus, by the angels' admission, is the Savior. And if you read over in Hebrews, you can find where the angels weren't privy to a lot of things. They weren't privy to God's plan that He had from the beginning. But they knew that when this child came into the world... That he was the Son of God. In Luke chapter one and verse 30, or beginning in verse 30, Gabriel, the angel that stands at the, in the presence of God, as it tells us in Luke chapter one and verse 19. He said, "Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus." He shall be great and shall call shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. And He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and His kingdom there shall be no end. Again, they called His name Jesus. They recognized Him as the Son of the Highest. The Son of God. The Lord God. They recognized Him as Being the Savior of the world. And then we can look at even his own Father, God Almighty. Matthew, the seventh chapter, when he was baptized, or Matthew, the third chapter, when he was baptized, verse 17, it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So on that occasion, God recognized him and and acknowledged the fact that that was his Son. And he was pleased with him. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter seventeen and verse five, it says, And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the clouds which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You might remember it was Peter that wanted to build a few tabernacles or altars to represent Moses and Elias and Christ. And that's when God said, "This is my beloved Son; hear ye him." In Acts chapter two and verse twenty-two. It says, "Ye men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know." If you go back to John chapter 3, you can find where Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus, he recognized Jesus as a man or someone from God. Why? Because no man can do the things that you do. No man can do those miracles. And so those miracles confirm that he was who he claimed to be. And we see people in the Bible that were smoking mirrors, where they tried to trick people into thinking that they were Miracles. You see that with Pharaoh and his magicians when Moses and Aaron approached them and said, let my people go. And they started to plague the the, uh, Egyptians. And the magicians said, oh, we can do that. But then it got to a point where even the magicians had to say, this is the finger of God. They uh, They couldn't duplicate it. They couldn't fake anyone out. They knew that what Moses was doing was the real thing. And so those miracles confirmed who Jesus was. And that's why John says that they're included so that we might believe. But the choice is up to us. We can believe it's friends and family. We can believe the angels. We can even believe the Almighty. Or we cannot. But if you really want to know about somebody, the best thing to do is ask them yourself. And so, who did Jesus say that he was? John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So, what's he saying? He's basically saying, I'm the Savior of the world. You want to go to heaven? You want to have your sins forgiven? You want to have a relationship with God where you can call Him your Father? then you have to go through Me. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, it may sound open-minded. It may sound uh, great to hear people say, well, you go your way, I'll go my way, and we'll all get to the same place. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said there's only one way. And that's the problem with some. Some people don't want to give in to what Jesus says. They would rather try to get to heaven on their own. Their own way. But Jesus says there's only one way. He tells us in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. <clears throat> so He's telling me, if I believe in Him, then I'm going to be saved. Because you see, if I believe in Him, then I'm going to be obe- obedient to Him. I'm going to do what He shows us we must do in order to be saved. And then he also tells us in John chapter 8 and verse 58, that before Abraham was, I am. He says in that verse, Verily, verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. <clears throat> that may sound like a complicated scripture, but it's really not. He's just trying to say, you know, they were taking pride in being the descendants of Abraham. But Jesus is saying, before Abraham was. I existed. I was there. I am. And He was God. Just like God the Father, He was God the Son. He was eternal. So that's who Jesus says that He is. We can look at other passages of Scripture where He describes what He is, the door, the vine, all those things. But I think we've seen enough to know who Jesus is. And the choice is ours as to whether or not we want to accept Him. I've told people before, I've lived a Christian life and tried to live it to the best of my ability for a long time. And I've never felt cheated by following God. He has never done anything to me that has harmed me. In fact... Most of the time where life is miserable for me is when I've turned away from God or done something that I knew I shouldn't. God doesn't harm us. Jesus, as we mentioned this morning, came to give us joy, peace, comfort. Those are the things that God gave us when Jesus came to this earth. So why do we trust Him as we talked about in our Sunday morning lesson? Because we take Him at His Word. Because we've proved Him over and over again. He's not just a man. He's not someone that's crazy. He's not a liar. The Bible says He is the Son of God. And so we trust Him. Because we read about Him in His Word. And as we've seen this morning about the uniqueness of this book. <clears throat> you know, some people say, oh, I've lived this book and it didn't pay out. I'd venture to say that if you've lived this book and it didn't pay out, you weren't living this book. You might have picked part of it and did part of it, but you didn't do what it said. Somewhere, Somehow. Because you see, this book doesn't promise us a rosy, happy, wonderful life here. In fact, when we talked this morning about denying self and taking up cross and following Jesus, that taking up a cross is sometimes difficult. That tells me it's not going to be easy. When I look at the cross of Jesus, it doesn't look like there's any pleasure in that at all. So sometimes it's difficult to live a Christian life. But it will be worth it in the end. That's the promise that we have. And that's why I trust Him. That's why I take Him at His word. Because I believe the promises that He's made. So tonight or this afternoon, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. But again, that's up to you. Jesus has given us everything that we need so that we can know that we're saved. He tells us what we need to do in order to be saved, and that is to believe and be baptized. And according to the Gospel, it is the fact that He died for our sins, that He was buried and He arose again on the third day. And if we believe that, if we'll make that great confession that He is the Son of God and turn away from our sins, then we can be baptized into Christ to have our sins washed away. And it's through that baptism that we represent the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ and so we come up out of that water a new creature this afternoon, you can do that. And like the Ethiopian eunuch, you can go on your way rejoicing. Maybe if you haven't lived as you should and you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. And you have an opportunity to respond to the invitation. Together we stand and sing.